0: He that offendeth in one thing shall lose many that are good. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All of us, I think, who are, at least I am, who are accustomed to hearing the parables of our Lord, uh, almost do so on autopilot. The Pharisee and the publican, we all know this story, and I think we all assume or know that one is a bad example, and one is a good example. One is prideful, the other humble. One is pompous and self-important. He makes a prayer which is long and elaborate, but the other... God's favor with the simplicity and humility of his prayer. However, I invite you today to hear the parable somewhat differently, anew as for the first time. What if for a moment, just as a little experiment, we try to forget what we know about the parable and take the side of the Pharisee? almost as an advocatus diaboli, a devil's advocate. But Father Benedict, you say, what could we possibly say in favor of this pompous character? Actually, I think there are some things we could say in his defense. And lest you think that I am going a bit odd here, I'll point out that I am simply summarizing the words of no less than Pope St. Gregory the Great, our great Benedictine doctor of the Church. So please bear with me a moment as I lay out St. Gregory's somewhat sympathetic case for the Pharisee. Pope Gregory, in his commentary on the Book of Job, is commenting on the long-suffering Job's words in chapter 29, his defense protesting the innocency of his life. Quote, None heard the fame of me then, but called me a happy man. None watched my doings then, but spoke spoke in my praise. Poor man, nor helpless orphan, cried to me in vain. How they blessed me, souls reprieved from instant peril. With what comfort the widow's heart rejoiced? Dutiful observance was still the vesture I wore, my robe and crown integrity. In me the blind found sight, the lame strength, the poor a father, none so ready to give the stranger's cause a hearing, break open the fangs of the wrongdoer and snatch the prey from his teeth. Here, thought I, I have built myself a nest to die in, Here, like some palm tree, I shall defy the years, Palm tree that spreads out its roots to the river bank, On whose leaves dodges the dew, My fame never diminishing, Never worn out the bow I bear. How eagerly men hung upon my words, Intent to learn what counsel I would give, Nor venture to speak when I had done, a gracious influence, my words fell, like autumn rain or the spring showers on lips athirst. Were they faint hearted? They found me smiling still, and the encouragement of my glance never failed them. Deigned I to be their leader, the first place was mine, yet ever when I sat like a king with his retinue about him, I would comfort the mourner's tears. How can we truly reproach the Pharisee who, like Job, lived a principled, disciplined life? If we take the Pharisee at face value, his words, which I think we could, we are all called to live lives of purity and justice Like this Pharisee, are we not? The Pharisee, says Pope Gregory, has done in his life what we are all called to do, and which monks in particular are called to do, that is surround ourselves on every side with righteousness, dutiful observance as our vesture, our robe, and integrity as our crown. Surely, writes Gregory, when we are clothed with a garment... We are surrounded on every side. And so he is clothed with righteousness as with a garment, who defends himself on every side with good practice, and leaves no part of his conduct naked to sin. So, in defense of the Pharisee, I would say, the Pharisee is by no means to be blamed for not being an extortioner, not being unjust, not being an adulterer, and even not being a publican. A publican in the Roman world was, in essence, a government contractor. And he was very often engaged in tax collecting. Tax collecting was already a despised occupation, (laughs) even as it is today. But it was even worse because it involved, in most cases, Dishonest practices, such as extortion or skimming off the top. It's almost as if the government employed the mafia in tax collecting. That was sort of uh, uh, akin to what was happening here. But then even worse, for a Jew to be involved in this, placed as a contractor of the Roman Imperium over his fellow Jews, extorting his fellow Jews, and essentially stealing from them over and above what Caesar asked for. This was one of the lowest, most despised occupations in Palestine in the time of Jesus, and for good reason. And so, I would say, we must not be too quick to condemn the Pharisee and hold up the publican. As far as the image of the perfect man, as it appears in the Old Testament... This Pharisee is blameless. This is nothing to sniff at or dismiss. Yet, something crucial is missing. A certain something which causes the Pharisee's prayer to be rejected and the prayer of the publican, the abysmal sinner, to be heard. What is this certain something? Gregory the Great tells us that the Pharisee was right to want to surround himself with justice like a garment and is not condemned for this. The problem is that the Pharisee, in making for himself an impregnable spiritual fortress, left one gaping hole, a max truck-sized gap, through which the enemy forces could enter in. And pillage his soul. He that offendeth in one thing, says Solomon, shall lose many that are good. Likewise, the Apostle James Whosoever will keep the whole law and yet offend in one point shall be guilty of all. He that is just in some deeds and unjust in others, writes Pope Gregory. It is as if he covered over this side, and exposed one side naked. Nor are those henceforth good deeds, which are defiled by other evil deeds springing up. Each of us, St. Gregory says, must scan himself diligently on this side and on that side, and as long as he is in this life, know that he is set in pitched battle against spiritual enemies. Lest the reward which is he is making up by one set of actions, he should lose by another set. Lest on this side he bar the door against the enemy, but on the other side open an entrance. For if against plotting enemies a city be encompassed by a great rampart, begirt with strong walls, on every side defended by a sleepless watch, yet a single opening, only be left therein undefended through neglect. From this quarter, surely the enemy enters in, who seemed to be every way shut out. For, continues Gregory, that Pharisee who went up into the temple to pray, with what fortifying he had begirt the city of his soul, let us hear. I fast twice in the week, he says. I give tithes of all that I possess he that set out with, I thank thee, did surely employ extraordinary defenses. But let us see where he left an opening, undefended for a plotting enemy, because I am not as this publican. See how he opened the city of his heart to plotting enemies through self-exalting, which city he fruitlessly shut close by fasting and almsgiving, vainly is all the rest defended. When one spot, by which an entrance lies open to the enemy, is not defended, he rightly gave thanks, but wrongly exalted himself among above the publican. The city of his heart, by being lifted up, he betrayed. Which, by living abstemiously and by giving alms, he guarded. The greedy appetite was subdued by abstinence. The gluttony of the belly was destroyed. A grasping inclination was got the better of. By bountifulness, covetousness was kept down. With what great pains do we suppose this to have been done? But alas, what a series of painful efforts, being struck by one bad point, fell to the ground. What great excellencies were killed by the sword of one sin? Whence it is needful with great diligence both always to be doing good things and to keep ourselves heedfully in the thought of the heart from the very good things themselves, lest, if they lift up the mind, they be not good, which are enlisted not to the Creator, but to pride. Unquote. Pride kills. Pride is delusion, delirium, madness. Everything that is good and holy, any good deeds or virtues that you and I may have, is destroyed when contaminated with pride. What have you that you did not receive? writes the Apostle to the Corinthians. If then you received it, Why do you boast as as if it were not a gift? Finally, St. Bernard, in a sermon, a beautiful and rather famous sermon on the Holy Family, goes further, displaying before us the utter humility of the Son of God. As a 12-year-old boy found in the temple about his father's business and compelled to return with his mother and foster father to Nazareth. Quote, Learn, O man, to obey. Learn, O earth, to be subject. Learn, O dust, to submit. The evangelist, in speaking of thy maker, says he was subject to them. That is, without doubt, to Mary and to Joseph. Be you ashamed, Vain ashes that you are. God humbles himself, and do you exalt yourself? God becomes subject to men, and will you, eager to lord it over men, place yourself above your maker? If you disdain, O man, to follow the example of a man, big M, man, our Lord, at least it will not lower thee to imitate thy maker. If perhaps you cannot follow him, Wheresoever he goes, at least follow in that wherein he has come down to you. If you are unable to follow him on the sublime way of virginity, then follow God by that most sure way of humility, from whose straightness should come even from among the virgins go aside, then what I say is true, that neither do they follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. He that is humble, even though he be stained, follows the Lamb. So too does the proud virgin, but neither of the two goes wheresoever he goeth. Because the one cannot ascend to the purity of the Lamb that is without stain, nor will the other deign to come down to the meekness of the Lamb, who stood silent, not merely before the shearer, but before the one that put him to death. Yet the sinner who makes after him in humility has chosen a wholesomer part than the one that is proud in his virtue. Since the humble repentance of the one washes away uncleanness, but the pride of the other contaminates his own virtue. May Christ our God, through the intercession of his blessed mother, the humble handmaid of the Lord, Deliver us all from both the impurity of vice and the delusion of pride. And make our prayer simple, humble, yet powerful over his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.